Welcome everyone to On Podcast, the on Microsoft Podcast, where we talk about Microsoft stuff on a podcast. I'm your host today, Kareem Anderson. I'm joined by David Allen. Happy Fun Friday, everybody. I think we got a good show for you today. Uh, yeah, again, fun for us, not so much fun for our opening discussion. Uh, we Ooh. will be talking, yeah, we'll be talking about Phil Spencer and uh, what I like to dub as the Apology Tour 2023. He seems like he does this one uh, every other year or so, and unfortunately, this one is an, another stinker. Uh, so we'll get into what exactly he's apologizing for. Uh, we also have some headlines for you guys, so stay tuned to talk about Bing Chat finally hitting gen- general availability and the potential for third-party plugins, uh, Microsoft debuting a payments app in Teams so you can start begging people in the middle of your conference or your presentation, hey, give me money. Uh, the other thing we're going to be talking about is uh, Fortnite releasing on Amazon Luna, which is still a thing, Amazon Luna. Uh, we'll see how that works out for them. Uh, Microsoft uh, has a new policy, which is throwing edge at everybody, uh, especially if you're an Outlook or Teams user, and we'll discuss the nuance of that, why it's morally ambiguous i but think techn- they're just i think they're just going to beat it into us that we're going to use edge at some point yeah but technically <laughs> it's still not uh anti-trust worthy but we'll get into the details on that uh lastly we'll be wrapping up with uh bethesda's redfall reviews which kind of lead into what we're talking about for phil smith's apology yeah, you can put two and two together while i continue this if you'd like uh, and then microsoft wants a new uh, revamped xbox dashboard and we'll talk about if people are even interested in that uh in 2023 but with all that being said let's get into our opening discussion um this week Phil Spencer addressed the significant negative responses to Redfall, which is uh, the co-op, the new co-op uh, exclusive from Bethesda, which is a studio they bought for, how much did they buy that for? 17 billion or something like that? I think so, seven, yeah, 17 billion is what I've got here. Yeah, and uh, what it is, it's a co-op vampire first-person shooter, uh, which, you know, was supposed to be heralded as, you know, the next big first-person shooter for the platform, for Xbox, for Bethesda as well. Uh, And since its release, it's got a bunch of negative reviews, not doing very well as far as people are concerned. Uh, But we find out that uh, Spencer has actually gone on to a podcast to address these. And uh, kudos to the podcast host. The podcast itself is called, uh, what is it called? Uh, Let me make sure I get it right. For everybody, it is kind of funny, kind of funny games. So please go to their YouTube page, watch the 41, 42 minute long interview because the host of this podcast don't pull any punches. They, uh, you know, kind of pin Phil Smith to the wall about uh, some of the things that have been going on with Xbox in succession, such as uh, failing to get uh, the UK's approval for Activision and what happens to the Xbox division uh, if this doesn't go through like they had planned. Uh, and then you spent all this money buying Bethesda and a bunch of other studios, and you are still putting out crap, so to speak. Um, Spencer for all the negativity that he's getting and kind of going through this week, did take it on the chin and kind of put the responsibility on his shoulders, quote, saying uh, he's upset with himself and that he's going to take full responsibility for launching a game that uh, needs to be great. He acknowledged the disappointment that comes from, you know, a $70 game. I believe uh, it's on Game Pass already. You can kind of go play and download it. Uh, arriving in the conditions that Redfall is, and it is, I would say, arguably worse than when Cyberpunk landed. Uh, and this is because it's not only uh, lower res, uh, missing a bunch of AI uh, NPC 
environments and elements, but it is also missing the 60 frame uh, per second frame rate that it had promised. I think it came in at half that uh, for right now. Uh, and, you know, this is coming from, I believe, Arcane Austin Studios. So, again, I don't think he's blaming anybody other than himself for this, but he does also mention and kind of hint at some other things about uh, exclusives and, you know, the business of how they sell or how they push consoles uh, sales. But before I get into any more of that, I will let you jump in. Well, you know, I had iffy feelings when this game was getting ready to come out. I mean, it had already been delayed, you know, what, at least once, maybe a mm-hmm. couple times Correct. before we even got to the release point. And we knew, uh, we knew a few weeks in that we were not getting the 60 frames per second that, you know, that, that kind of leaked out. And I kind of look at it this way. I'm like, you know, Microsoft makes the console, the Xbox Series X. And if you're a Microsoft fan, that is the de facto big boy console. And you're giving me an Xbox Series X at 30 frames per second on what is supposed to be practically an in-house title. I, I, I don't. That doesn't jive with me, but that seems to be the trend in the industry. Unfortunately, lately, these publishers seem to be pushing out games with the thought of, we will fix it later. And I don't know that that's good for the gamer. I mean, you know, as you mentioned, Kareem, uh, Cyberpunk kind of did the same thing. Now, Cyberpunk has kind of redeemed itself. Before Redfall here, there was Battlefield 2042. Depending on who you talk to, that game has kind of sort of redeemed itself. Now, Microsoft not only makes the hardware, but they're making the software too. They put out a lackluster game. This makes Microsoft look really bad, in my opinion. Um, Xbox division is kind of shaky right now. It feels shaky as a consumer. It feels shaky as a journalist because the merger with Activision not going too well. A what was supposed to be a blockbuster title certainly has not got off to a good start. And I think Phil Spencer kind of made a comment. I'm kind of paraphrasing here that eventually he's going to stand up there and take enough punches that eventually there'll be somebody else standing up there to take those punches if things don't get turned around. Yeah, to that point, um, like you said, he is taking as much responsibility as one individual can as the CEO of a gaming division. Uh, he says that he's a huge uh, supporter of Arcane Austin. Uh, the track record is, record is awesome, and they love you know he's loved the great games that they've done, and that he's committed to making uh, Redfall a, a good uh, game, uh, similarly to the way that they did with uh, Grounded and I believe uh, Sea of Thieves. Now. As you can tell, uh, Sea of Thieves has come a long way since its release, but it, you know, I believe when it, you know, if I had to anecdotally say, I think Sea of Thieves landed with like a six, maybe seven-ish type of score, and I'd say it's around an eight or nine type game right now. It's very solid, lots of features, lots of great DLC since then. Uh, the, the critic score so far for Redfall is a four out of 10. Uh, that's pretty bad. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's a big ouch. And... Uh, being committed to this, just like I said, Cyberpunk, when it probably landed, was, you know, it had tons of bugs. 
Uh, it had a lot of, you know, the same things you're talking about as far as NPCs not, you know, being responsive enough, stuff like that. But the main theme, the, the writing and the, the core of the game was still pretty solid. And I think it came out at a five or maybe six. Uh, and it's worked its way over a year to get where it's currently at, where it's very playable, a recommended game, a fun experience. So, you know, with that being said, and if, you know, uh, uh, Phil's very committed to this, I would say it's going to take at least two years to go from a four to a seven or an eight uh, with what they're working at. Now, again, I don't know the pace of development for our game. Maybe they already have a day one patch sitting somewhere to, to launch next week. That'll bump it up a little bit. But uh, I think the theming of just a vampire shooter in general, the fact that there's not a lot of differentiation between vampires themselves, there's not a great deal to the story. I think, you know, you and I were discussing this on Mike, that this was meant to be an entirely different game. This was supposed to be uh, a loot grab sort of game with a multiplayer, very heavily multiplayer aspects. So you didn't need a lot of differentiation. You just needed something to grind out with friends online. And it was meant to be a, um, a microtransaction type of play. So Microsoft bought the studio and kind of delayed it. I think they made them, you know, made the decision not to go in that direction. Uh, but most of the core of the game had already been built out. So they haven't been able to pivot as quickly. Now, with all that being said, we'll put you know, Redfall behind. Uh, we are, again, we're discussing Phil Spencer's apology tour. And this is where we get to your saying, you know, what you mentioned about the Xbox being on shaky ground. It has now been eight years, nine years since the Xbox One launched, and we had been promised as Xbox fans and gamers and consumers and customers some level of exclusivity. Now, we'd been waiting since the Xbox One to get it. We waited that entire generation. We were told that in uh, the Xbox Series S and uh, X that we'll be getting something like that. They bought up a ton of studios and they still have yet to deliver anything beyond Forza and, uh, you know, even Halo Infinite landed with kind of a thud. So with that being said, where do you think Xbox goes beyond the contract deal with Activision and just in the future focusing on its, uh, you know, I guess tar somewhat getting tarnished uh, goodwill you know they built up a lot of goodwill since xbox one and it seems like they're quickly losing all of that well i think something you mentioned or we both mentioned last in last week's podcast comes into play i'm not sure the xbox division continues to sit out there on its own i'm thinking the xbox division might get pushed in with the 365 division kind of like what you mentioned and you you might get some as the saying goes in the development industry, some fresh blood, some fresh meat in there looking at some things and doing some things differently because we just haven't had a blockbuster title for Xbox really from anybody in the last couple of years that just went out there and got the nine and a half, the 9.8 stars, got the IGNs talking, the the you know Xbox the gaming community is really talking and the gaming community is really ready to go out there and purchase it. So I think there's going to be we saw the Surface hardware has already been pushed into the 365 a little bit. We mentioned that last week. I see things kind of maybe I don't know that downsizing is the right word, but maybe some combining. I do think Phil Spencer's head is kind of on the table a little bit here. I think they'll give him a chance to fix it. But I think 
with the type of title Redfall is, like you were talking about, I think there's a limited window here to fix it. I don't know how long that window is, but eventually your gamer moves on to the next one. So if Microsoft doesn't have that next one in line and someone else does, that's just longer we have to wait. At that point, as much as I like Phil Spencer, I like his presentations, I like his energy, I like his enthusiasm, I think his, you know, his job or his title is on the line. And maybe they look to they combine it together and say, look, we were going to have a new CEO of whatever, you know, of Microsoft 365 is now, you know, overseeing Xbox. And maybe Phil Spencer goes and does something else inside the company. Maybe he's a part of it. But I think if they don't fix Redfall and fix it quickly and make it, I don't know what the right word is. I don't know that playable is the right word, acceptable to the gaming community. That's Maybe that's the best way to put it. If they don't do that quickly, Phil Spencer may have a bigger problem on his hands. Okay, and uh, that is a perspective, and I agree with most of it. Uh, I'm going to kind of try and take a macro view of this and say that, you know, while it, he is the head of it, he brought the deal, the Activision deal, it's, you know, kind of becoming an arbitrage from Microsoft, uh, and this Redfall thing hasn't gone through. You know, they do have the the next game coming out from Bethesda. Uh, I, I do question, my, my question is, since Xbox 360, and they've kind of backed away from exclusives, have they lost the vision? as far as what is wanted or needed from the gaming community you know they're they're relying on these studios and they're being very hands-off on a lot of this uh you know and i you know i mentioned in our chat uh, off off mic that they got skyped they basically told bethesda like hey you know we're going to give you as few notes as possible because we want to foster creativity and i believe spencer even said during this interview that you know he doesn't believe necessarily that uh, uh an exclusive is what's going to sell the console uh maybe that's the approach he took when you know they were in development of this game saying hey you know we want you guys to do your best job but we don't need it to be these things you know that we you know think will make will sell those consoles we don't put that kind of pressure on you uh i think that may have been part of what's been going on with the studios that they've been gathering you know they've been buying them and these studios have been putting out par if not or subpar games and Microsoft's been saying, like, okay, well, we didn't really want to impose what we should have been doing because we thought this would be the, you know, the creative thing. We want to, you know, get a high, high-fi rush or something like that and, you know, and let them, you know, run with it. I wonder if, you know, I think I suggested this, that, you know, maybe they take their money, get a deal for some sort of branded content. Like, you know, they can't get a Spider-Man because Sony has the license to that character specifically. I know that they signed a deal for a Wolverine game. You know, they need to get a, a well-known property, a big property, you know, maybe a, a sort of, maybe they can't get a Jedi, but they can get some other Star Wars character, something people already are, have an attention span for and will put up with a, a par game for. So, you know, you get yourself a, I don't know, I guess Fantastic Four or, you know, the Guardians game was very good. Maybe promote that even bigger. You get yourself a big title like that. Put yourself behind it because even if it comes out to like a five or six level sort of type of game, 
people, because they're invested in the brand, the character, the storylines that they already know, will wait. They will put up with it. And when it comes around and becomes a great game, that's one of the things you can say, hey, this is our exclusive. This is what we did. I think for no-name properties, it's a much harder buy-in. You know, it's, I don't know these characters. I don't, I'm not interested in this. I will wait. And that's what they may run into with all these other studio games that they have. So, you know, put your money behind the next Witcher or somehow, you know, make that a timed exclusive. You know, they got to get back into the game of knowing where to market and when to market it uh, versus, you know, trying to just buy and put stuff on Game Pass. So, uh, you know, we won't belay the point much further. I'll let you get the last word on this and then we'll move on to our headlines. Well, I, I think you're spot on there. I mean, when if you think back to Microsoft's infancy with Xbox, what got it started? We had Halo. Halo was the title that brought Xbox to the market. There was Halo, there was Mechasold, and there was a couple others in there that Microsoft had published, because I remember it was Microsoft Game Studios at the time. And... Microsoft, I, for for lack of a better way to put it, kind of got lucky there that people bought into Halo because Halo was, you know, that that was an unknown genre pretty much at the time, and you certainly didn't know who this character Master Chief was or or what he was going to be. And I agree one hundred percent with you. We need to get back to something that people can recognize when they see the. PR release when they see the screenshot hey I recognize it I want to play it I think the industry has moved past a little bit of the let's try something new and see if it catches fire I don't know that I don't know that we can do that right now I think we like you said we need to get back to something something I brought up last week would do it they say it's not coming Put a good Gears of War 6 out there and say, look, you know, in a year, year and a half, 18 months, whatever it's going to take, we're going to do a Gears of War 6 or even a Gears of War 5-5 with an add-on pack. That You got to get people's attention with something they recognize. Get them back invested in what you're doing. Then you might can branch off and do something different. But right now, it feels like Microsoft is losing some steam. They got to crank the steam engine back up to get started again and then go do what they're trying to do maybe here with Redfall. Yeah, we will see. We will watch, we've watched this uh, apology tour continue because I know he's got you know probably a few more interviews. Uh, and we got, uh, is it, what is it called? Star, Star something or other? God, I'm drawing a blank right now for the other Bethesda title. Mm-hmm. Starfield. Starfield coming out this year. So he may be apologizing for that later on this year. So uh, we will see what he has to say. I am rooting for him. I'm rooting for the division. I like that he is uh, more of a gamer than, you know, Don Magic was. Uh, he was a business guy and, you know, he had a vision. Uh, the vision didn't pan out quite nearly as well as they had planned. But uh, I would hate to see uh, someone who I you know, relate to as far as a gamer is concerned, be removed from that and maybe we get another business-minded person in his spot. So uh, we were root for for uh, Xbox, we were root for him uh, because in the end, you know, gaming is what we all want to do and this is why we're talking about it. Uh, with that being said, let's actually get into, I believe you can actually segue us into one of your headlines about Redfall and what's been going on with it specifically. Well, something um, 
I've got a little bit of a review roundup here is Bethesda's latest even worth playing. We kind of did on the site, we did a review roundup. And as we've been talking about, not very good. Here we have one quoted as saying, ultimately, Redfall is a gaming is a game that should not have been released. It's a litany of bugs that hampers the gameplay loop of exploring its world with friends and the loop itself is compromised by elements that are poorly, that are poorly executed and ill-suited for team implementing. Now, this is just one example if you go to our site and read the article of every game review, I didn't see anything over a four and a half cream. I don't know if you have, you have seen anything any higher, but I didn't see anything over a four and a half. And I kind of felt like the reviewers were stretching to give it the four and a half. I will say I played the title. I played it for two and a half, three hours. I really gave it an opportunity, and I'm going to have to call it what it is. I saw the same thing we have talked about, the same thing the reviewers are talking about. It's just not a good entertaining title, and I hate to be the negative guy with Microsoft. I, you know, I'm the Microsoft fan here. It's just not good. It's just there. there's no other way to put that. Yeah, no, I haven't played it yet. Um, I have read some reviews. I do know, and I found this entertaining, actually. If you are listening and you want to go have a fun, like, two and a half minutes, go to Twitter, uh, go to the trending section and type in Redfall. There is a post that has been, you know, put at the top, and I believe it's a animation. Uh, it's, you know, it's crudely done, but it's very entertaining, uh, of a vampire hunter. And it says, watch this instead of playing Redfall. And I'm going to have to say, based on these reactions, that this two and a half minute long animation of a guy going around, you know, slaying other types of, you know, evil bad doers or whatever from other hit vampire games. It's more entertaining so far. So if you got some time, head over to Twitter in trainings, just type in Redfall, that video should show up and you, I guarantee you'll have a much, probably a much better time than uh, playing the game itself. So uh, with that being said, well, I'll move on to uh, away from gaming for a minute. Give us a break. Give us a palate cleanser and start talking about Microsoft debuting payments app uh, to help small businesses receive funds within Teams. <clears throat> Microsoft debuts new payments apps. Uh, I believe it was launched uh, this week in the U.S. and Canada, so most of North America. The app is designed to help small businesses earn money uh, from webinars, appointments, and more. Uh, now people uh, can launch in-app payment systems in a Microsoft Teams uh, Form users were able to receive payments while in meetings. Uh, I believe uh, Verge got an interview from the general manager of Microsoft, Microsoft 365, Brenna Robinson, who says, quote, the pandemic changed the game. I think a lot of the small to medium businesses uh, have now pivoted away, pivoted to where they're now more tech savvy and they're not just corner shops. So she's meaning to say that, you know, uh, people are learning how to have transactions uh, more efficiently online than, uh, you know, kind of just saying, hey, visit our site and then come into our store. Uh, and as such, as this is, this is, you know, becoming a necessity for them to get uh, transactions uh, on the spot. So Microsoft Teams has partnered with a third party uh, payment platforms such as GoDaddy, PayPal and Stripe to ensure that it's possible for business to conduct virtual meetings and receive funds. And again, this is meant to if you're hosting a webinar, uh, if you are in, you know, essentially pitching products or anything like that, and you want to make sure you get some initial uh, 
funding uh, during or after the meeting. This is a quick way to do so. Um, uh, if you are holding a conference or anything like that, this is another way to get paid uh, either uh, during or after the speaking engagement uh, online and, and immediately. So uh, I believe uh, it's worth noting that the uh, mobile support is limited to meetings between the organizer and one attendee. So you'll, and you'll also be required to set up the app on desktop computers before proceeding to uh, send a payment request via mobile devices. Uh, this is just a security measure within, I believe, uh, Edge uh, and I think, you know, any other uh password protected uh browsers so chrome i believe i think safari has these certain things this is just so that they can uh have a two two-factor authentication so uh that's kind of what's happening this week our teams now i have i have a question here um sure. th th these are and th i think our readers and especially those that might be getting ready to implement um payments and teams might be interested was there any talk of the payment gateways and the reason i bring that up i have seen in-app payments with other things in the past and sometimes they don't do well because you have to use a certain payment gateway and for example if a business uses let's say stripe for example for those that are in the business world stripe processes credit cards for a lot of businesses um has microsoft said what gateways are available because companies are sometimes hesitant to sign up for a second gateway just to do teams transactions is it credit cards is it paypal is it venmo that's one thing i didn't see I believe it's credit cards uh, and you can use a PayPal account. So like I said, they've partnered with GoDaddy, which I think use supports like MasterCard, Transactions, American Express, Visa, things like that. So if you have a business account credit card, you'll be able to go through all of those. Uh, like you said, Stripe, I believe supports Visa, MasterCard payments as well uh, and digital wallets. PayPal is a digital wallet uh, to begin with. So those are the ones that were specifically listed. I don't know if they're going to be adding more as time goes on. If, you know, like you said, smaller businesses use maybe something more local. Uh, but those are the three that they uh, initially uh, pointed out uh, with this rollout to North America. Again, it's only in Canada and the U.S. I presume that this will start expanding as it gets to approved in more uh, areas and regions. All right, maybe we can start getting some folks to join some meetings and help some of these small businesses out. Sometimes these payments on the spot is the best way to get your money. Especially when you have the, uh, the, the audience's attention immediately. And don't let them go home and think about it and be like, I don't really need this. Exactly. <laughs> what else you What's got the, for us? Let's see. I've got, let's jump to um, Fortnite. Fortnite. Let's jump back to gaming. One more, one last time. We have Fortnite is coming to Amazon Luna for the 50 people or so that know what Amazon <laughs> Luna is. Um Maybe this will help Amazon Luna. As of May the third, the popular game Fortnite. You guys don't need me to tell you. Don't need me to tell you what Fortnite is all about. You you know what Fortnite is by now. I hope it is now available on Amazon Luna for those that have it. Um, not really a whole lot to say other than it's already on GeForce Now. It's already on Xbox Cloud. But if you are a Fortnite player. And for some reason you don't have Xbox Cloud or for some reason you don't have GeForce, GeForce now or don't even have, have it on your phone necessarily. 
it is available on Amazon Luna and you do have to have a subscription here which is $9.99 a month so if you're an Amazon Luna fan grab your controller jump out there jump in the app it's there for you yeah I have nothing to say but uh, go and have fun because again we all want to just game whenever when and whenever we can Uh, I'll move on to our next one which is Microsoft throwing edge at Outlook and team users by default uh, and before you, you know, get your pitchforks and you, your tar and feathers, let me get to some of the details. Uh, Microsoft recently sent out a notice to IT admins managing uh, Microsoft's 365 accounts that web links embedded in Outlook host, uh, hosted emails will now open in the Microsoft Edge browser by default. And as you can gather, people are upset with this. Uh, a lot of IT, IT admins were uh, kind of thrown, taken aback by the notification because uh, with the notification, they're given a 30-day 30, uh, 30 notice as well, saying that be, as soon as you re- read this notification, uh, the changes will start taking place 30 days after. So it's kind of like one of those mission possible things where like they will self-destruct kind of stuff afterwards. Uh, so they had 30 days uh, to start doing this. And, you know, I believe this uh, email or yeah, email started going out to IT admins in this division uh this week so uh specifically wording to the admins regarding the input uh impending outlook edge apocalypse reads quote uh web links from azure active directory aad accounts in the outlook for windows app will open in the microsoft edge in a single view showing the open link side by side with the email it came from what microsoft uh leaves off in its notice to admins is that this behavior ignores user preference browser settings uh that are at the operating system level so uh, and this is where I said, like, you know, Microsoft, this is morally bankrupt and this, you know, we need to push edge, but technically it's not antitrust as most people are starting to like say, oh, Microsoft's backsliding. Well, because it's at the app level, what it's basically doing is it's calling up its own uh, central like you know, PDF reader and the PDF reader that's choosing to kind of go to by default is edge. Uh, it's not saying that you are no longer a control of Chrome OS as your default browser. So if you were to like, you know, go type in search and, you know, say you want to look up something, Chrome will naturally come up because that's what you have in the settings. If you were to open up PDFs outside of uh, Outlook or Teams, uh, it will still open up in Chrome. But because this is specific to Outlook, specific to Teams, they are choosing to open up an edge again. I said a whole bunch to kind of cover up for what Microsoft's doing. I, again, don't agree with it morally, but this is why you know they're emboldened to do this because it doesn't necessarily go by anti-choice. This is operating. This is app level uh, implementation. Now, you know, for those of you who have been playing with Outlook so far in the new Edge, it's actually a pretty decent experience because, like I said, it opens up the browser and has the uh, one-third window pane to kind of let you know what email this is associated with. So you're not thrown out of the blue. You're not just you know, given the Edge browser and have no idea what's going on, the link that you clicked on is open and the email that associated with. So if you still need context, if you need references for exactly what you're looking for on this page, they're in the third, uh, the one third pain level of that. Now, what are your thoughts on this? You know, the 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 people that are antitrust, their their ears just perked up and somebody somebody just called an attorney somewhere <laughs> and asked for this to be looked into, but. When I first, yeah, and they should. And when I first read it, I thought, well, here we go again. And like you mentioned, I think Microsoft is trying to wiggle their way through it and maybe cover it up is the wrong, it is the wrong word, but that's what comes to mind. Maybe they're trying to, you know, disguise it a little bit at the app level, but I think, I don't think this is going to be a long-term 
thing that people are going to be happy with. Um, I saw something just yesterday that Safari had slipped into the had slipped ahead of um, Edge again in browser usage on some surveys that I had saw yesterday. So I think we're eventually going to have to get this back to customer choice. The customer chooses what opens the link. I understand what Microsoft is going is trying to do here. And I'm not necessarily angry about it, but I understand that what they're trying to do probably isn't going to fly fly this way for very long. No, and it should be noted that uh, I believe uh, Microsoft 365 for Enterprise uh, allows admins to change this, uh, I think, at the group level. Uh, and then See, that's business, a problem. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I'm saying they can change it so that the default is, you know, whatever browser they happen to be using as a company. So if you're using Firefox or Opera or Chrome, you can change it back. Uh, and the same thing f uh, for business, but business, I believe, Microsoft 365 business, you have to do it at the individual user level on the a specific device. It's a pain in the butt. Uh, like you said, they'll probably switch it back after they gain enough market share to show that it worked, even despite everyone's grumbling. Um, because again, there is a pathway to switching this back. This isn't just like, set it as default and, and any other way to fix it is broken. So uh, again, I think with enough outrage, they'll, they'll end up changing this. Um, I guess that's all to be said for it. I mean, it's unfortunate that Microsoft is going about it this way, but I can see the business sense for it. Um, again, not excusing it, but here we are. We'll see. I think it will be switched back. <laughs> as well as it probably should be. What else you got for us? Well, while we're on the topic of Google, let's um, scoop down. Google's going to have a little chat this week. Wednesday, May 10th is Google I.O. And we've kind of got some leaks and some early ideas of what they're going to offer us. Uh, the Pixel Fold has been advertised early and it's meant to compete with the Samsung Z Fold 4. We've been known that... What? Yeah. It's not meant to compete with the Duo 2? That, like, you know, well, giant I, in the industry? <laughs> I, I think, you know... Well, I think we need to go read your editorial about the, the Duo <laughs> 2. I, I don't have your title of your editorial right off the top of my head, but I think you were talking about maybe... Microsoft needs to consider letting the Microsoft launcher ride and maybe doing away with the Duo 2. So, um, yeah, I got some feedback. Now, people weren't happy with it, but I think it's the best route for them. <laughs> I, I think it is, but, you know, not, not to steal any of Google's fold thunder here. Um, I think we're going to see that device debuted this week. Now, Something I had read just before we jumped on the air here was that this is going to be a little expensive device like the rest of the foldable devices have been. It rumored to start out at $17.99, so ha have your credit cards ready for that one. Now, rumor is, this is just a rumor, but this might convince some people to go ahead and buy it, that pre-orders will get a Pixel Watch with the phone so if google says hey we'll throw in the pixel watch to get you started in the google ecosystem because we know everybody's playing in an ecosystem these days um does that make you want to buy it more why are you interested if you're interested in the in the google 
Pixel Fold, why are you interested in it? And if you're not, why are you not? I'm sort of interested. I like seeing a third party out there. I'm interested to see what it's going to be. Now, there's supposed to be an unveiling of the tablet that is being worked on. Now, I know you and I kind of had a little fun earlier this week that you've got your Surface. You're not interested in the tablet. I see where you're coming from, but me personally, I'm a little bit interested to see what the tablet's going to be as well. That kind of completes the ecosystem. If you think about it, you've got the Chromebook, you've got the phone, the watch, and the tablet. There's another company out there that has all of those devices, so it's going to be interesting to see how they compete. Yeah, uh, as far as being interested, uh, I am very interested in this. I'm torn, though, because uh, as a former Pixel user, uh, I bought into the Galaxy uh, ecosystem, uh, and it's, it's a good too. one. It's, it's a good one, and I would have preferred to have seen Samsung give the aspect ratio that this Pixel Fold is doing. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with the Pixel Fold, I just, you know, I have a, a watch and I've been, you know, trying to get back into shape and going to the gym and using Samsung Health more than Fitbit and uh, the Google stuff. So, uh, you know, the watch, I guess, is a good kicker for people who have been all bought in on one platform to start get, to get them jump started on this. Uh, I am very interested in the Fold because of, you know, how much it reminds me of the Duo. I want to try it out. I don't know if I'm necessarily going to move completely over to it. Uh, again, we have to, you know, I've mentioned this before that uh, in, in a write-up about the Fold uh, preview that it's taken the Pixel almost six iterations to get to where it's solid now, where they can put out a five, a six, and a seven, and have them be very good, have them you know, show a, a, a progressive evolution versus just throwing stuff at the wall like I felt like they did with the first four versions of the Pixel. And I you know, am hesitant to see what they do with the Fold. This may be another situation of like the Pixel where it takes three to four iterations before we get you know the the z fold four ish type of thing from it so you know be cautious and we're all first uh first adopters kind of thing we're gonna run, run to this but uh that is what i'm waiting for that's what i'm hesitant about i'm excited about it as far as the tab is concerned i do feel like this fold is going to negate a lot of that because there's you know it's just a bigger version of what the fold is going to have and if you're a person who uh, is limited on money or hasn't bought in on android as a viable operating system outside of the phone screen uh, then you, you know, you're probably not as interested in the tablet and the Chrome, you know, like you said, operates a bit differently than the Android tablets because it offers a little bit more flexibility than say a tablet does. Uh, so, you know, we'll see what they say, you know, we'll see how it competes against, because again, Samsung has a tablet at every price point and they still don't sell because people just really aren't that interested in an Android tablet for whatever reason. So we'll see what my, or I mean, what Google does in order to entice people at Google I.O. Maybe there's new development on apps, maybe some homegrown maps or be, you know, something to showcase. Be like, Ooh, maps on a tablet is amazing. You know, put your tablet in your, you know, in your car screen or your, your in dash or whatever. And you got yourself, uh, you know, your next Tesla. You don't have to go out and spend, you know, $50,000 on a, on a model, whatever. Well, you know, I did see early on when this tablet was first brought up, they did show a stand that kind of made it like the Google Nest for those that are familiar with that, that when you put it in the stand, it would, you know, do other things and kind of mm -hmm. morph into something else. So 
Maybe that's It'll be point. interesting to see. Yeah. You know, you got to remember, Google does have their tensor chips. They do control that chip. You know, they, they've done a lot with AI on photos that a lot of other phones can't do. That is so, the biggest thing for me. Like, I, that yeah. is why I'm ready to kind of jump into that. Because, again, I vacillate between my Duo and my uh, S22. And I do the S22 just because it's a little more convenient to hold, but mostly because the camera. You know, I have uh, little kids and, you know, catching those moments uh, requires me to be, you know, at the ready. And, you know, having a, a camera that works very well at all, most times. And the S22 is why I kind of, you know, always have it in my pocket. I do prefer longer reading sessions, uh, you know, research, video watching, stuff like that on the Duo. So if I can get the best of both worlds in the gal in the, the uh, Pixel Fold, uh, you might have a customer come, what is it, June? <laughs> yeah, whenever they throw it out there and put the price on it. Yeah, I'm going to do our last uh, headline and get everyone out of here so they can go and enjoy the rest of the weekend. And it's not as exciting, unfortunately, as the Fold, but I think for some people, it kind of brings us full circle on gaming. Microsoft flaunts the newly revamped Xbox dashboard. So for those of you who are still with us after everything we've said, this whole podcast, and are ready to, you know, back Microsoft, they do at least have one win on, the, on their chart this week or over the last two weeks. And that's this new revamped dashboard. It has been uh, renowned by most people who have been able to play with it as a win. It is what most people have been uh, wanting from, uh, I guess, the Xbox One days. Um, let's get into what we're seeing. First up, the new experience uh, facilitates easier navigation uh, to the library, to the Microsoft Store, to Xbox Game Pass, search settings, and user uh, preferences. The update will ship with a new quick access menu at the top of the homepage. So if you can visualize this with us, uh, you know, look to the top left of your screen, uh, there's a quick access versus having to necessarily press the button in the middle to kind of bring down the pane or whatnot. The layout also has been simplified and now features more space that allows the user to view the background properly. So you just won't have a cluster of squares that take up two thirds of the screen and you're kind of you know, swiping through menus in order to just see what you have in the background. Um, the size of the tiles will be reduced significantly and they've also been moved to the bottom of the screen to create more space to see that background in order to you know give you you know people sometimes just like to let their xbox sit for a little bit while they go get snacks or you know play music and entertain or do mm -hmm. something else and they'll have that screen up so it'll be visually more appealing for that uh the, the update also ships with a responsive game art feature that uh, that's designed to update the default background and show off the beautiful art uh, art associated with each title you uh whenever you hover over the title so uh if you are indecisive uh, a creature of you know you have the uh, paradox choice where you know too many things are offered and you just want that system to take over uh, when you scroll over a game it'll it'll update with that in the background which is i think kind of cool and finally uh the tile that opened my uh, games and apps the first tile in the second row has also received a significant update users will now get a notification when something new pops up or when there's something that requires immediate attention uh the company has further stated that it's a work in progress still and that users are likely to encounter updates from the library uh, or the Microsoft Store, um, you know, as they you know go about fixing some of this stuff. Now, it is not out for general availability, but you can get access to it. If you want to test out the overhaul of the Xbox dashboard experience, you'll need to join the Xbox Insider program and download download the Xbox Insider Hub. Uh, Microsoft has indicated that it intends to make more significant changes and improvements uh, to the dashboard, uh, and that is still taking feedback into consideration. Uh, while doing it so this may be the only one that they have 
in the last two weeks, but it is a pretty decent one to have uh, as they make progress. And this again, this is why I'm saying keep Phil at the helm because I, these are some you know fundamental changes that you know while small have a big impact on people. They do, and, and I, I do have the dashboard on my Xbox back here, and I'm, I'm in the Insider program. It remi- I don't know what iteration it was, but it reminds me one of, of one of the dashboards early on where it's just game in, game out. That's what gamers want. You want game in, game out, quick access to your friends list to get with your buddies, get with your friends, get that party chat started, and... and I felt I feel like we have finally made the steps back to get to that and I felt like that's where we need to be the whole time you know we're not always as much as Microsoft would want us to be we're not always in the store looking to purchase something most of us have got you know with the limited hard drive space you have on these boxes now most of us have got our favorite games on the box we turn it on which one we want start the party chat we're in okay buddy let's change games we're back out we're back in and this dashboard layout gives you that finally thank you microsoft you hear that as part of your tour phil always end with and we have a new dashboard so you can be like we're not going to get uh activision we have failed with bethesda uh we have no exclusives coming your way and the consoles are going to cost more but we got a new dashboard that's right Uh, with that being said, I want to thank everyone for uh, joining us again this week. Uh, I hope you guys are entertained. I hope you were informed. Uh, where can people find you if they have any questions or comments? David, P-A-J-1978, over there on the Twitter, as long as Elon keeps the lights on. Uh, and that may be for a short, short amount of time. So I will be there as well for as long as it lasts. Uh, you can find me at Minehead1. Uh, and uh, like I said, go enjoy your weekend. Go enjoy the new dashboard because that is really all we have right now. <laughs> See you guys next week. Have fun, guys. Goodbye.